for me, it's it's just helping people kind of navigate these, you know, waters of uncertainty, whether they've always used cannabis or just to reevaluate the relationship with cannabis. It's really empowering for us to have some choices and to be able to make decisions in relation to our health, our wellness, and our life. Oh, hi. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Walt Drennan, and you're listening to Ask Me About My Type 1, the Q&A podcast all about type 1 diabetes. And on this episode, I have on Sarah McLeod and Adrian Earhart. Now, with names like that, I know it sounds like I'm hosting a game of D&D, but that isn't the case this time. Although many say that what we're talking about this episode is pretty fantastical in its own right. And that's because this week, we're talking all about cannabis with two experts in the field. Type 1 guest Sarah is an integrative cannabis coach, and type nun Adrian has been a working professional in the cannabis industry for years and is currently the social media and marketing director for the Higher Path Collective, a dispensary in Sherman Oaks, California that serves both medical patients and adult recreational consumers. Now, whether you've thought about it or not, cannabis products like CBD and THC are becoming more widely available every day here in the U.S., and naturally, people are becoming more curious. With so many CBD and THC options coming out, it's difficult to know where to start, which goes double when you live with type 1 and aren't sure how cannabis and your type 1 might interact. So with that in mind, this episode is another installment in my series of strategic interviews because who better to inform about the concerns that we in the type 1 community have around cannabis than a leader in the industry? I'm actually one of those people who has never used cannabis and knows nothing about it. So I invited my type 1 camp friend, Sarah, who has been type 1-ing and using cannabis for years now, and has even transitioned into integrative cannabis health coaching, where she helps clients explore cannabis use for wellness. Together, we talk about the stigmas surrounding cannabis and type 1, the benefits that both Adrian and Sarah have found through their cannabis use, and how best to approach cannabis if you're interested in trying it. But before we get into the episode, I have the 5-star listener review of the week. This one comes from Enigmamy, and actually fits in very nicely with this episode's magical guest theme. Edding Mamie titled their review, Magical Voice, Mystical Creature of Kindness, and Everything Good. Edding Mamie wrote, To meet Walt is to know Walt. From the first time that I met him, I knew that he was someone that I wanted to get to know more. I've listened to every one of his podcasts at this point. They are informative and funny and altruistic in the amount of info that you get from them. And then I got to be a part of one. He's really just magical. <laughs> and yes, I did meet Edding Mamie when I was out in California for a Type 1 camp weekend. It was a really fun episode, so if you haven't heard it yet, uh, go back to Season 2 and check out Episode 6. But if you have heard it already and would much rather hear me read one of your 5-star reviews on a future episode, just click on the 5th star and let me know what you think about the podcast. It helps so much and makes it easier for the podcast to get noticed on the iTunes charts, which means more people getting involved in the Type 1 conversation. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at AskMeAboutMyType1 and visit my website at AskMeAboutMyT1.com where you can ask about being a guest on a future episode. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, but especially if it's on iTunes. Now let's get talking about cannabis. But before we do, none of the information that you'll hear on this podcast is meant to be taken as medical advice. I will always urge you to consult your preferred medical professional before making any changes to your health and or type 1 management routine. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Now here's the episode. Today is a very exciting topic because I've been wanting to talk about this for a while now in, in context with type 1. I have on two cannabis experts. I have Sarah McLeod, 
who is our type one guest and happens to also be a cannabis expert. And I also have Adrian Earhart of The Higher Path, which sounds like I made that name up, but it's not. It's completely true. And she's our type none guest for the day. So let's start with introductions. So Sarah, could you introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story, and then also how you came to be where you're at with cannabis in your life. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much, Walt, for having me on. It's exciting to talk uh, with both you and Adrian about cannabis and diabetes, two of my favorite things, which sounds funny when you say like diabetes is your favorite thing. But, you know, I love being part of this community. I love what you're up to. So to see my worlds combining is uh, pretty rad. And I'm really excited to step into um, the cannabis space as the diabetes girl and vice versa, uh, the diabetes space as the cannabis girl and seeing how I can begin to integrate some of the things that I do into one thing. So what do I do? Uh, Well, I am um, from Boston, just south of and I am a holistic health coach. I'm a yoga instructor, I'm a Reiki practitioner, uh, pretty much um, a walking stereotype, but that's okay. We have archetypes for a reason. And um, for me, I stumbled upon all these things, um, all these holistic things actually because of cannabis. I give credit in, um, in some way to cannabis because um, it's really something that has guided me along since my early days of diagnosis. So I was diagnosed as a 15-year-old freshman in high school, and well, I didn't do so well with my diabetes for several years. It was pretty hard just to get the management down pat, and it felt really overwhelming. And in retrospect, I now realize that one of the things that I turned to to help support me during that time was cannabis. Um, So I used cannabis recreationally back in high school when, um, when I was first diagnosed with diabetes, mostly because I was too afraid to drink alcohol. Um, I didn't really know how to navigate drinking with diabetes, especially diabetes that I wasn't really paying attention to. So for me, cannabis was a safe haven that made me feel like I was doing something good for my body um, in a way, because back then I did recognize the benefits of, um, you know, how it would help me if I had menstrual cramps or, you know, as a soccer player, like different aches and pains from sports and that sort of thing. You know, I couldn't ignore the fact that, well, cannabis made me feel really good. I mean, everything leads you to where you are for a reason. And the reason why I am at this point um, so interested in holistic health and wellness is because I did struggle with my health. I did receive that chronic illness diagnosis as a teenager, which, you know, on your body is tough enough, but like on your heart and on your mind, like you just want to be a teenager, right? And you just want to have fun. And it was really hard for me. And I actually ended up struggling with a diabetes related eating disorder that stemmed from initially being so entrenched in diabetes burnout. So I just like couldn't do diabetes. And then I realized that when I didn't take care of myself, I actually started to lose weight and I would get compliments. And um, I, I kind of put two and two together and realized that I could manipulate the insulin in a way that, you know, I wouldn't die or end up in the hospital. No one would know, but that I was able to shed a little bit of uh, unwanted weight. So the teenage girl, like, that was something that was very important to me and um, just kind of wanting to be normal, like not wanting to have to do diabetes. So a little bit of burnout, a little bit of an eating disorder that didn't even know existed. And um, I really ended up making a, a big change in my life when I was about 21 years old. So I was um, at an Allman Brothers concert and I almost died. My blood sugar was over a thousand. At the time, I believe my A1C was around 16. Um, the highest my A1C has ever been is about 18, which 
that can make other type ones jaws drop, which I think is is sad, but it's it's also reality and also proof that like, hey, I'm here and I'm fine. Like you can really go into like the depths of darkness with diabetes and you can come out with a positive attitude and, you know, with a body that's not in complete ruin. Um, I definitely have some things going on. So when I actually decided to make a change with my diabetes and take care of myself, I did so a little bit too quickly. And so that's something that I started to advocate for was, you know, we have to take care of ourselves in a responsible way and, and we can't make these drastic changes. So whether you're starting to manage your blood sugar a little bit better, or, you know, you're going to think about changing your diet, like if you do something drastic, you're not going to actually know if this is supporting you or if it's just a change. So for me, I made the changes too quickly and it's like a scuba diver coming up for air. So it's like I got the bends, you know, I ended up with all the complications I was trying to avoid, which I wish they would have told me. Uh, So at the same time that I was going through this kind of diabulimia and um, diabetes burnout recovery, I also ended up with Lyme disease. So that's something I'm also living with. And to be quite frank, I forget about it sometimes because like the list associated with diabetes and everything is so extensive and, um, you know, sits at the forefront that the Lyme, you know, gets put on the back burner. But it it is something that I struggled with. Um, I was in bed almost the whole year. I was 21. I couldn't walk. I had to go to physical therapy. I had to do pool therapy and land therapy. And meanwhile, was very sick. I couldn't eat. I was vomiting all the time. And they actually had, you know, the psychiatric teams coming in trying to convince me that I now had anorexia and bulimia, um, when in fact I had a diabetes-related complication called gastroparesis. And so my vagus nerve, which is a very important nerve in your body, it controls your gastric emptying. That's one of the things it controls. And my gastric emptying uh, rate was damaged so that I have chronic nausea and vomiting. So basically it's like morning sickness forever. So (laughs) facing a feeding tube, something I definitely didn't want. I decided that I was going to do whatever it took to gain weight, to appease the doctors, to get myself out of the hospital, to get myself back to like a part-time job and like just going out with friends, like even just to like see a movie or like poke around a store or I just wanted my life back. And I knew cannabis would give that to me. And I just started using cannabis every day. I had been, you know, consuming cannabis pretty regularly, but it wasn't like an everyday for my health until I was about 21. And it was really a point of tension between myself and my parents. Um, You know, they're very much like do the right thing, like follow the law and And in Massachusetts, though, you know, medical was around, it's still socially at that point in 2011, 2012, even like it's still something that even I was afraid to look into legitimately. So it took me several years before I became a patient. But, you know, I laugh and I say, like, I avoided a feeding tube by smoking weed and eating Wendy's chicken nuggets. And if that's how like you get yourself to not be in the hospital and not be bedridden, like I'm a holistic health coach. I'll tell you, go smoke some weed and eat some chicken nuggets, like whatever you can do just to get yourself to the next day and to the next point where you can start to reevaluate and see, okay, well, what's my next move? And for me, because I found such healing benefits from something so natural, like instinctually, I didn't want to take the pain meds. You know, I had ended up they almost killed me giving me perks and Vicodin. I was impacted. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm 21 years old. Like, this is my whole life ahead of me. So I wasn't taking the pills. I was not compliant. I wouldn't do what they said. I would just smoke weed and whatever. But hey, I got better. I got a job. And um, and now I'm here today. 
starting to see how I can kind of do what I've been doing in the diabetes space, but incorporate cannabis into it because to be quite frank, I've been scared to speak about it. And, um, you know, people, people like Adrian, like I'm so just inspired by, because it's been years that, you know, she's been unafraid to share her truth and, and to, to be proud of what helps her and what she believes in. And I really, um, I'm enjoying uh, seeing the cannabis community because I love the diabetes community so much, but like cannabis community is really cool too, especially the women in the cannabis world. Like, you know, sometimes you can say like maybe having a relationship with girls can be kind of hard, like lots of personalities and stuff. But I feel like, especially with cannabis, everyone's so relaxed and um, kind of in that right frame of mind that I've been able to form some, some great friendships and connections pretty quickly. And, you know, people are really in this for health or in it for wellness, but you know, there's nothing wrong with also like letting your hair down, having some fun. And that's kind of the message that I want to deliver to not only people with diabetes, but people so very cool yeah i met you a couple years ago at diabetes camp and it was you were a yoga instructor and this is this is completely like new side of you that i'm learning about so that's really interesting great to hear that you found all of this through cannabis and also through your type one adrian there's probably a lot of lingo in there that you probably didn't understand too much type one is very there's a lot of vocabulary that we only use just because we live with this every day. So if you ever run into those issues where like we're talking about something and you don't really understand, you can call type one time out. So we, the conversation stops and we can just answer your question so that you can be as involved in the conversation as we can help you be. Cause that's something that I think the type one community has trouble with is including people because we have a lot going on. There's a lot of stress, anxiety associated with type one. And it's kind of, it can be daunting having to explain it to new people all the time. So that's what the show's about. So Adrian, introduce yourself and how cannabis came into your life and like how you came to where you are today. And also your, your knowledge of diabetes and basically just kind of where you are with that or what you know okay. about it. My name is Adrian Earhart and I've been consuming cannabis since I'm 17 years old. Uh, I'm significantly older than that now. But I'm not going to tell you who old I am because I live in LA and that's not what we do. And my career in cannabis started at 27 when I got arrested for possession and paraphernalia in Florida, where I'm from. And I had been thrown in cuffs many, many times before that. But for me, I have obsessive compulsive disorder and was neurotic and weird in high school. So when I started smoking weed, I started getting friends. And that was a really big, important part of it for me. And then I was a, a professional dancer, so cannabis always helped with pain relief. And I'm the daughter of an alcoholic, so I don't drink. So for me, partying or doing anything like that always consisted of cannabis and then uh, <clears throat> other psychedelics. And I started doing comedy when I was about 27. And then I moved to L.A. And when I moved to L.A., my then-boyfriend, now ex-husband, started working at a vape company and I started doing um, like promo modeling at cannabis cups. So I was like, a, I was a dab bitch. Like you came up to the booth and I would tell you what dabs are and how to use a vape and all that. And I just, I fell in love with how many people it can help. How many different kind of demographics came up to me at those cannabis cups from like deadheads to older people to, you know, women in pain from various uh, disorders. So I started working at a dispensary as a bud tender. And quickly crawled up the ranks there to do like, um, now I'm the director of marketing and operations at that shop and we're franchising and we have distribution as well and an event space. So it's like 
cannabis is just exploding. And in the interim of being a bud tender and all this, I, I got a lot of product knowledge, a lot of cannabis knowledge, a lot of like, I don't know, you feel like a little mini doctor when you work in a dispensary because people come to you with their health problems or their mental problems. And you have to really think about what they need and what their body is like to try to advise them. So always, you know, start small and, and build up from there. But obviously CBD is a, a big help for people and keeping people educated on what it does and what it is, is, is vital. I'm currently uh, going through a divorce, so I'm not using THC because it's triggering for panic for me. So I'm just CBD and I'm dating a sober person. So only CBD in my life right now. And it's still very helpful. I use it for preventative purposes. A couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And if untreated, it can lead to diabetes. So I have a lot of things in my life that I do for preventative measures, like quitting coffee, like eating healthier, like not eating so much meat, exercising more. And then CBD and THCV are, are known to help regulate blood sugar level. And I have a couple of friends who have diabetes and my friend, my best friend's dad has diabetes. So it was always like, uh, what are his numbers? Check his numbers. Uh, he had a beer. We're going to be in trouble tonight with him figuring out what to do. Like when he would pass out, I've been around a lot of people like on the subway when I lived in New York city as a dancer who like, you could see they were about to pass out. So somebody would hand them like candy or a piece of, of you know, something with sugar in it. And I know that there's a lot more research coming specifically for type 2 diabetes because it's easier to help with the symptoms. But type 1 is is a little bit more nebulous to me because we don't get a lot of type 1 people. Usually it's just straight up insulin and you're focusing on, you know, I know that it has to do with the islets of Langerhans and the pancreas and there's a whole a bunch of <laughs> keywords in there as well. But I, I'm focused on cannabis as a preventative tool and then cannabis as what do we do now that you, you have this disorder and we have to treat these symptoms in a way that will not make you high every day uh, if you don't want to be. So that's pretty much where I am right now. Yeah. And when I said the higher path, that's where you work. That's what I meant by that for people that aren't aware of it. But yeah, so that's actually a lot more than I thought you would know about diabetes. And like you said, Type 2 diabetes is a lot more common. People know a lot more about it just because there's so many more people with it. Within the, t the diabetes community, type 1s make up about 5 to 10% of that. So like you're saying, and I think the stigmas around type 1 and also cannabis can kind of interfere with or like can make people with type 1 like myself and Sarah a little bit more reluctant to try these things just because of like what we know about it. So I think that's a really good segue into like the stigmas of both communities, because personally, I've always been straight edge, like so, so uh, sober, I guess, for as long as I can remember. But growing up, I moved around a lot. And the places that I moved to happened to be places where like cannabis and marijuana was like really kind of readily available. So at the same time, it was like my friends were doing it, but also there was a lot of education as to like the dangers of cannabis and how I, I grew up in the, I'm a, I'm 32 now. So I grew up as like in that era where marijuana is considered like the gateway drug. And I had like a dare officer come into school and teach me all about how to resist drugs and alcohol. And so I kind of grew up with that like really weird conflicting like dichotomy between, you know, like cannabis is bad. And then also I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's like it's not going to really hurt you that much. Like I grew up on the uh, Texas-Mexico border where like, you know, a lot of drugs go through every day. And so like my friends in like seventh and eighth grade were just talking about how they would smoke weed all the time. And then also like I grew up in Mexico for a little bit too. It was very prevalent there. And, you know, 
it was all around, but also at the same time, there was people telling you how dangerous it was and like how like you're a dope if you do dope kind of stuff. So like I'm kind of like in that sweet spot where now I'm old enough where and you know, legally cannabis is becoming more and more available. Like in Pittsburgh, here where I live, there's like three CBD shops like that I can walk to. But at the same time, I also have type one. So like, I'm not familiar with how those things interact. And there's a lot of misinformation on both sides. So I feel like with this episode, I'd like you guys to clear up those misconceptions and help people to make an informed decision on whether they want to try it and see how that can possibly benefit them if they're interested in doing that. So Adrian, I can start with you. Like what were the the stigmas that you grew up with around cannabis and that like made maybe made you think about it twice? Um, yeah, people think potheads are lazy. And if anybody watches my Instagram story, you will see that I'm probably the least lazy person that lives on this planet. Cannabis tones me down a little bit, but it does not make me lazy. But to be fair, I'm older. I've done it a lot. I know my body's limits. I, I understand my endocannabinoid system. I understand ratios of CBD to THC. So when I was younger, yeah, sometimes I'd sleep through ballet class or, you know, mess up and eat a whole mess of food that I didn't mean to do. I think it's about learning your body and, and what you can tolerate and understanding the difference between circulatory and endocrine uh, systems in your body. Whereas when you smoke or vape, Versus when you put a tincture in the buckle of your mouth versus when you eat something in your, it goes through your liver and it gets processed differently. So it's a, it's all about education. So yes, you can be lazy if you have a high amount of THC in your system or CBD for that matter. And uh, you weren't prepared for that. But invariably, once you have it figured out, just like coffee, if you drink too much coffee, you're going to be bouncing off the walls. Once you figure out your dose, it'll get you through your day, you know. I miss drinking coffee. But yeah, I think that's still still the stigma is that potheads are lazy or or like forgetful. And I'm neither of those things. Yeah, that's actually something that I was concerned about. Like maybe like in like forums and like on Facebook and stuff like that, like one of the concerns that comes up every now and again from a type one is that will I forget to dose or will I forget? Will I eat so much that I forget to dose and go into DKA or pass out or something like that? So that's something that I've always been wondering about. So Sarah can touch on time out. Yeah. What's DKA? DKA. DKA. Oh, that's a good one. So DKA stands for diabetic ketoacidosis. So when your blood sugar gets so high, that your body starts to use fat as an energy source. So insulin is a thing that makes it possible for the food that you eat to turn into the energy that your body can use. So if your blood sugar gets so high, that means that your body's not getting enough energy, starts eating away at your fat, and then that process turns into is acidic. So it makes your blood so acidic that you die, basically, or if, you, if you're in it for long enough. And that's something that a lot of type 1s, have at the beginning or like when they're first diagnosed, they find themselves in decay because they don't know what's going on. Um, but basically it's when your blood turns so acidic that it's poisoning your body. So so like when Sarah said that her blood sugar was a thousand, which is very impressive because I've never heard that before. It's very scary too. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that means. And yeah. And then also the laziness thing. So that's like something that I've always thought about. It's like if you do if you smoke a lot of weed, then you're just not, you're not productive. That was the thing that I thought about. It's like, I didn't do it because I didn't want to lose my productivity. But that's also something that type ones or diabetics get a lot of that we're lazy because it's considered a lifestyle condition, which type two somewhat is, but there's also a lot of genetic factors and just aging as, you know, a natural thing that happens. People get diagnosed with type two for that reason too. But I've biked across the country three different times. And like Sarah's a yoga instructor. So like that's one misconception that the type one community tries to fight a lot. And there's a lot of people doing really amazing, crazy things because of that, I think. 
Sarah. So what are the what are the stigmas that you've run into both on the type one side and on the cannabis side? Sure. So I'll echo Adrian and, and chime in about just that laziness or that lack of motivation, lack of drive. And and what I'd like to bring up with that is, you know, what are people's intentions when they approach cannabis? So taking my expertise in yoga and meditation and kind of implementing it into, you know, the cannabis conversation, really approaching cannabis with um, mindfulness and with intention. And unfortunately, and I guess also fortunately, you know, people using cannabis are often self-medicating in ways for things like anxiety, things like depression. And it's like, well, can you really say it's the cannabis that's making the person lazy or unmotivated? Or is it the fact that they hate their job and they're unhappy in their relationship and they're not expressing their creativity and, you know, they haven't exercised in God knows how long and, and all these other things. So as a holistic health coach, I look at people that I work with and I encourage them to look at themselves in a way that's whole. So we have all these areas of our lives that we need to consider. And in relation to cannabis, it's, the same thing. It's like, you know, there's no, there's no perfect diet that's going to make you feel your best. There's no, you know, there's no workout routine that's going to really like change your life completely if, if you're not looking at the other areas. And unfortunately, there's, um, there's no magic strain or tincture that you can take or, you know, dab you can hit that's going to make all of your issues go away. So you really have to start to have a broader view and a broader perspective. And, and that's really where my mind goes when it comes to like, okay, like cannabis and, and being lazy or feeling like um, there's that lack of motivation or forgetfulness even. Um, I do think actually the studies that are out there disprove that. And actually, I think the study is that it helps your memory retention. But um, again, it's all really new, all these studies and stuff. And and that's also what's kind of a bummer when it comes to learning more about diabetes and cannabis is that there really hasn't been that much research because it, it hasn't been federally legal. So we haven't had the money and the funding to properly do these studies. I think there was one that came out of uh, Denver or something that showed a correlation between DKA episodes and people that consumed cannabis. But the study seemed weird. You know, I'm not somebody that has the expertise in reading medical studies and really I don't have the authority to be critiquing them so strongly. But for me, it didn't really show that the cause of DKA was because of the cannabis use, because, you know, I've been in DKA, you know, more than 20 times. And I would say only a handful of those times were because maybe I wasn't paying the best attention or maybe something went wrong with my technology, I do wear an insulin pump. So the infusion pump can, you know, get messed up and you're not getting the right insulin and, and you don't know. And then it spirals. And and because of some of the complications I have, I, I walk this really fine line where I can actually get what they call starvation ketones that put me into DKA. So because I have gastroparesis and I struggle with eating sometimes, you know, if I'm not eating, I can run into DKA even without having high blood sugar, which is so weird. So I've been in DKA and I've been managing my diabetes perfectly fine. I've, you know, 140 blood sugar or something like that. And just unfortunately, the other mechanisms within my body are just kind of working not so much in my favor. So I would really look at a study like that and say, well, you know, are all these people that were in this study, they all have gastroparesis? You know, is this a, is this a cycle that they're experiencing? And, and really, like, would they have more episodes without the cannabis? Because I know for me, before... 
before I became a legitimate patient in Massachusetts, which, which made me able to access it regularly. Like, you know, I wasn't waiting for someone to call me back and say I could come over. And, and I did that for so long because I, you know, didn't want to be on a list and I didn't want anyone to think anything less of me. And, and what about jobs in the future and all this, this and that. And um, for me, I became a patient and I actually ended up not being hospitalized until Governor Charlie Baker in Massachusetts pulled the vape cartridges off the market for a little while. And for me, the way my life is, I'm on the go. I work a nine to five and I teach six yoga classes a week and I volunteer and I do health coaching. And like, I'm so busy. So for me, the portability of the vape cartridges and, you know, I work somewhere where my boss doesn't care if I go outside like the cigarette smokers do, like he's fine with it. Like I do my work, I show up. I'm, I'm a very valued employee at an international company that's very well known. And, you know, if if my own coworkers and stuff like that, if this like cool company can understand, like I'm just waiting for that day when the rest of the world kind of like follows suit. Because for me, like I said, I wasn't hospitalized until one of my most important products was taken away from me. And then I ended up in a hospital in the Hamptons during a diabetes mastermind retreat weekend with all my besties and missed out on the whole weekend. And um, my dad had to take three ferries and a train to come save me, which was so nice of him. I love my dad. But you know, like if I had my vape cartridge, I would have been able to use that during my travel time from Boston to the Hamptons. And I just wasn't able to. So that salmon, uh, cauliflower, rice, and broccoli, and a, whatever else dinner really did me, and not not the best food for gastroparesis, unfortunately, but good for your diabetes. <laughs> and then, when you're talking with your type one clients, is there anything? Are there any kind of roadblocks that they bring up to you with their wanting to? I guess when they come to you, they're probably at the point where they want to try cannabis. But are there any any people in the type one community that you've come up across that are like very resistant to use it because of what they think it'll do? That are type one. Are there any kind of the stigmas around within our community around cannabis because of how it might interact with our type one? Absolutely. I think people are concerned, you know, is this going to affect my blood sugar? You know, and for me, I like to remind people that cannabis isn't something that lowers your blood sugar in and of itself. Like you need insulin to do that. But it is my understanding that the cannabis can help that insulin that's already in your body work a little bit better. Much like a type two diabetic would be taking a type two medication to make that insulin more efficient. Us type ones can optimize our routines and our budgets. I mean, who doesn't want to take less insulin, right? Because then that means less times you go to the pharmacy. Like there are all sorts of reasons why you'd want to make yourself the most insulin sensitive that you could be. And cannabis can help support that. And, And I've been able to witness this because of the technology that's available. So I started to notice wearing my Dexcom um, continuous glucose monitor that tests my blood sugar every five minutes. Well, every time we're smoking a blunt or an rest in peace blunts, we don't smoke them anymore, but you know, a joint hitting the bong, whatever, all of a sudden my blood sugar is going down and not so much where I'm like, Oh no, like this is a situation like I'm scared or I'm worried. I just start to notice that trend. And I'm thinking like, Hmm, and so lucky for me, um, my boyfriend is actually um, an assistant manager at a dispensary, the medical dispensary that I go to and kind of work with and collaborate with. So he can uh, send me all those uh, lab report results. So if I'm looking for like a THCV specifically in one of their products, um, I can find it. Because sometimes for me, like I have gastroparesis, some of the strains might make you a little bit more hungry. 
And for me, sometimes I don't want to get that hunger. Sometimes I need the hunger because I'm struggling with my appetite. But say if I have to go like teach a bunch of yoga classes and do a bunch of stuff, I can't risk making myself so hungry that I need to eat that I get you know, a full belly for the whole day because I don't have that gastric motility. But it's really all about being mindful and, and checking in with yourself. And that's why I think, you know, the benefits of of having practiced yoga and studied yoga, carrying that into my health coaching, and then also becoming um, an integrative cannabis coach, where I, I really do strive to help people integrate this beautiful plant into their life any way that they see fit. Because there's all sorts of ways. And we can start small, like Adrian said, starting with CBD, that's usually where I go to with people with diabetes, especially since most of the studies are actually surrounding CBD with diabetes. So a lot of studies from Israel and I have like this bulletin board that I use when I do my CBD and diabetes webinar because I started hosting them free online after just seeing so many posts on the Facebook groups for diabetes all about questions. I see one like every time I scroll, someone's asking about cannabis or CBD and gastroparesis group and diabetes groups. And there's so much misinformation and there are so many products that are just, they're not good enough quality. So people try them and then they don't see any changes or results and, and they write it off. And I think that's unfortunate. So just educating people about how to really choose their products and seek out the best sources and, um, you know, places that you can trust. I trust the place I go. I know that they're locally owned and operated. They're completely seed to sale, which I'm like super down with. I know that everything's done in house and, that's important to me. It's my medicine. And so having that peace of mind, you know, I don't feel like someone's, you know, duping me or I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting illicit vape cartridges off the black market to, to heal myself. Like I'm taking those steps to become a patient. And, and I absolutely implore everyone that lives in a legal state. If you have the option to become a medical patient, do not be shy step forward. We're all doing it. And it's going to make your life easier because if you're trying to heal, you need medicine. You don't need some guy's homegrown where he used water that you, God, he didn't even put it through a Brita filter probably. Like, you know, like there's all these things to consider. Just like our food, where we get our food is important. Where you get your cannabis is important. It's my dream someday to be able to grow it in a greenhouse. So right now I know my cannabis is grown indoors, which is fine. It's all quality and it's great. But, you know, I see it truly as medicine and, and I love the idea of the sun shining down onto my medicine. and. uh that's my little dream for someday. But for now, I just, I really encourage people to start with the CBD, especially, you know, I received uh, another diabetes complication diagnosis this past year. You know, all these years later of working my ass off to be the best diabetic that I could be. And here I am, another complication. And this one's a doozy. It's um, retinopathy. So blindness. And so, you know, my eyes are important. And what really hurts for me is that I am not a mom yet. I want to have kids. And based on my body at this point, I should have had them probably like five years ago. And it doesn't mean that all diabetics aren't able to have babies and many healthy diabetic pregnancies. I am a, a different diabetic. I have all these other things. And, you know, I'm almost 30 and um, you know, going through a pregnancy with this retinopathy, these little signs of it, it could exacerbate that problem. So I'm taking it head on. I got that diagnosis and I went right to the dispensary and I bought myself some bottles of CBD tincture. Even though, you know, maybe it doesn't help with my nausea when I take the tincture, um, I have to go for something maybe with some THC to really help my pain and, and to relieve my symptoms. 
However, that doesn't mean that that CBD is not in the background doing all its good work. And so there's actually been studies that show that cannabidiol, so CBD, is helpful for retinal oxidative stress. And it's really helpful for all oxidative stress within the body. So any cellular breakdown is going to give you inflammation, and CBD is going to help you with that. So get on board. Everyone's got a little inflammation to take care of, right? Such a buzzword. But, you know, it's something that, you know, you can start small and you, and you can work your way up to, to explore what calls to you, what you're curious about. Yeah, I've I've noticed like over the past couple of years that I've I've frozen shoulder, which is an autoimmune kind of, you know, inflammation disorder, which, you know, when you have type 1 diabetes, it's a autoimmune disorder and so you're a lot more prone to other autoimmune disorders. Like they come in twos and threes. And that's why I started looking at a CBD and I started walking over to my CBD shop and asking them about it and started that's what brought me into the the fold, so to speak. Adrian, have you, I guess California is a little bit different because it's just been around for, it's been available for so long, but do you find people, a lot more people are going to CBD and THC for medical reasons in your experiences working in the shop? Like what were people going to it most for, do you think? I would say things, autoimmune disorders like um, rheumatoid arthritis and also like eczema and psoriasis and topical things like that. It definitely helps with neuropathy, topicals. CBD with THC because uh, a lot of people don't understand the entourage effect. The two of them together are a very powerful combination. And, you know, uh, CBD activates different cannabis receptors than THC does. And although CBD is an antagonist, it does, it does go really well with THC. But if you're, if you're looking for just anti-inflammatory relief, which is what a lot of people are, especially people with arthritis, then CBD is, is really all you need for that. I know that neuropathy is a big issue for, for diabetics and and this is definitely very helpful, but uh, the best relief for that is going to be edibles because it's the longest lasting. And if if you're not used to it, it can be it can be very disconcerting. So I just reiterate again: start small. Start with like five or ten milligrams of something. And and the medical patients that we have, like people trust us because everything in our shop is uh, full spectrum CBD and has a certificate of anal- analysis with uh, you know test results where it was grown whether it has pesticides and like CBD is best when it's grown outdoors in the sun, but it's really hard to grow it outdoors without having pesticides sprayed on them. And in flower form, you can have a small amount and it's okay, but then they're making vapes out of these, you know, out of this flower and then it's concentrated. So now you have concentrated microbutanum, piperone, butoxide, like pesticides that are very harmful. So you always want to check your, your COAs. And there's a lot of people that are buying CBD from the internet because it's like snake oil right now. And I'm sure there are many reputable places online to do that. Once the the farm bill passed where you could have 0.3% THC or less, a lot of people can ship uh, nationally and internationally now with that. But you're going to want to check and make sure that you have a COA because they're slipping things like fentanyl and uh, pesticides and sometimes 0% CBD. So there's a lot. A lot of research that you have to do on your own if you're if you're wanting. I mean, there's some very reputable companies like Kush Queen and Lord Jones where you can absolutely get very high quality hemp uh, CBD with with COAs. But literally, if you're if you're living in a state where it's not legal and it's not medical and it doesn't make sense for you to go you know cross state lines or anything like that, ask for COAs. And uh, if a company can't deliver them to you, do not buy that product. And then go to a dispensary if you can get a medical rec. You can buy more with a medical rec than you can as a, as a recreational person. 
and have a full on conversation with the, both your doctor and your bed tenders because both of them need to know what else is going in your body at the same time. So because cannabis does interact with some things, not typically medications, but it affects your blood sugar level and your and your glucose levels. Um, it's you know it's a glycemic regulator, THCV and CBD. So if you're also having other foods that will do that or other prescriptions, people need to know about that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to hear because I've never heard you know glucose and like blood sugars being associated with CBD or THC use, and that's actually like that's. 80% of the game for type ones. It's like keeping those sugars in range. And so I think if a lot of more of us knew about that, we would be less resistant as some people might be. Because again, I think that idea of like the whole munchies idea is that if anytime you're using marijuana or you're using THC or anything like that, you're going to get the munchies, which for us means high blood sugars, no matter what, which apparently isn't the case. And again, you can get different strains that won't give you that kind of that immediate, you know, hunger effect, but also you can you know, get those hunger effects when you, when you're, when you have a low blood sugar, because, you know, food works kind of, it's a double-edged sword for us. It helps us, but it can also hurt us. And I think, again, it sounds like THC and CBD are similar in that respect. I guess, Adrian, what would be good questions for people interested in trying it, but really just in the weeds as to like me, like I have no idea what any of this stuff is. Like, what are good questions for people to ask when they're going to their dispensary on top of the the COAs and like the, the quality of the product? the vehicle and and with which it's delivered into your body. So I always ask somebody when they're coming in, like, what are you comfortable trying? Do you want to vape? That is the fastest way to get into your system. Do you want to smoke? That is the most uh, nostalgic. If you were somebody who consumed in the, in the sixties or seventies, do you want like relief that will last for a couple hours, but doesn't involve vaping? Then you're going to want to do a tincture because it goes through the buckle and the soft palate in your, in your mouth. Do you need long-term relief? Do you need help sleeping through the night? Then you're going to want to do edibles. Are you in chronic pain to the point where you can barely function? I would recommend a patch. Do you have localized pain on your body? I would recommend a topical. Like those, you have to ask so many what feels like invasive questions, but because everyone's talking openly about that in dispensary, nobody really has a problem with it. Although if you ask for a private consultation, there are areas where you can go and have that private consultation. But keep in mind, this is a... Typically, a bud tender is somebody who who came in from either a retail or a food background and was taught a lot of information and then autodidactically learned on Google a bunch of this stuff as well. And like more information comes out all the time. There's diabetes reports from the UK. Johns Hopkins University does a lot of um, research as well. Uh, the owner of my shop is one of the biggest cannabis activists in the world, Jared Kylo, and he disseminates information to us, but we don't see him very often. So it's like he'll come and tell one of us at the top, and then we have to kind of, you know, be very mindful of giving correct information, trickling down all the way to the bed tenders who are the gatekeepers, who are the ones who are going to talk to you, you know? I don't really do consultations anymore. I mean, I do what people cite in my DMs, which all y'all are more than welcome to do. It's those bed tenders who are the ones like really that need to ask you a bunch of questions. So if you like my advice to somebody going into a dispenser for the first time is be prepared to answer a lot of questions about how you feel comfortable consuming cannabis. And and I, I always suggest mints if if they're scared and, and they want to feel like pretty fast relief, but won't last too long in case it bugs them out. Because CBD, you do feel something. I, I equate CBD to like a couple sips of beer. When you get that tiny little bit of a, a relaxation and maybe your tongue goes a little fuzzy and your eyes droop a little bit. That's what, when you take a lot of CBD, what that feels like. So I, I usually start them with, um, like we have a company called Breeze. It's a one-to-one mint. Dissolve that in your soft palate and, and see how you feel from there. And it's it's interesting when you have 
clients, patients, customers, whatever you want to call them, come back and start upping their dosage or start saying, you know, it's not really helping the pain. Let's add some THC because you build your tolerance up and then you're able to, to take things better without without being loopy. But if they come in and they're like, I was high as a kite, I had to go home from work, then it's like, all right, let's let's back it down and let's see what you know what else we can do for you. But it's trial and error, honestly. Everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. You never know how many receptors you have and how much how many absorbent your receptors are to all of these different uh, cannabinoids. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a process for sure. Just be open-minded and be willing to share more about your body than you think you need to. I think I think type ones are used to that. We get that from from doctors a lot and from each other. We're very open about the bodily functions side of it. Sarah, are there questions that you get from type ones? Not maybe not people that you consult with, but like just people like you know, like Adrian said, people that go through your DMs or on Facebook. Like, what are the questions that a lot of type ones have uh, concerning cannabis use? So, um, one of the things that I thought of while Adrian was speaking, um, especially since she mentioned edibles and how helpful it can be to use edibles to have that long lasting effect, because especially if you're going to bed at night, you know, you eat a few edibles. And so because diabetes, food and edibles, they start to complicate things because all of a sudden there's this other variable in your blood sugar. And for me, I've been consuming cannabis for a long time. So I I do have a tolerance level that's of a certain, you know, standard. And I um I do have a lot of pain in my body, a lot of problems. So I think that it, it takes a lot of um cannabinoids to really like even let me to start playing this game of symptom relief. So I'm talking like 50 milligrams of THC is like like nothing for me. Whereas for somebody else taking five might feel like, ooh, I should just sit on my couch. So to to know the varying effect and, and to also know, like, if, if you see a picture of me or, or know me, like, I'm not, I'm not a big person. Like this is, I can handle a lot being a small size. It's not like alcohol where if you're bigger, you know, it's, you can, you can take more like that's, you know, there are certain biological things that play a role in, in what will be your reaction to, um, to cannabis, but everybody's different. And so part of the work that I do as an integrative cannabis coach, especially working with people that have diabetes of any kind, um, is teaching them how to make their own edibles. So sometimes at a dispensary, there might be limits. For instance, where I go, um, there is a limit to how much they're going to put into one product. And so for me to get to really have a nice evening of, of neuropathy relief, I might have to eat like six chocolate chip cookies. And trust me, I would love to eat six chocolate chip cookies, but I can't. It's not responsible. And also if I'm eating these cookies to combat inflammation and then I'm consuming a bunch of sugar, like as a health coach, I have all sorts of opinions about the world of cannabis and edibles. And um, what I'm looking to do as, as a cannabis coach um, is to bridge that gap between people that are working at dispensaries, people that are, I love that you call them like the gatekeepers, right? So these these bud tenders or these patient care agents, that's what they're called at my dispensary where I go to. These people are knowledgeable, but I mean, I know my boyfriend and his background and his level of knowledge. And, and although he's he's passionate about helping people and and passionate about cannabis, like he doesn't have the knowledge that I have as a health coach about nutrition and, and different conditions and, and sorts of things. And, and that doesn't mean he's not valuable, but I also saw a need that wasn't always being met in a way that, you know, I thought would really support the populations that I work with. So I see the doctor and then I see the patient care agents and I'm like, wouldn't it be great if you had someone to just like bridge that gap and to really 
work with these people a little bit more. And, you know, one of the other things that I'll do with people is I'll meet with them and, and I'll go with them into a dispensary because it is nerve wracking, you know, the first time you're going into a dispensary, especially if you're not familiar with using cannabis. Like it feels like kind of like a, um, like a secret lair. At least that's what I felt the first time to one of the places I went to. It was like the security guard and the cards and, and the door. And like, if you have any kind of mental anguish or anxiety, like you better believe you got like sweaty pits and you're like, oh my God. And like, you know, you don't even want to look in your bag. Like when you get out to the car, cause you're like, they're going to get mad at me. I'm not even supposed to look at this. I just need to, I need to be a good driver and just drive away. And eventually, like, you just realize that it's it's just a place where people work and it's a place where you can go and get your medicine. And I'm really lucky that the um, dispensary that I frequent, they do make it comfortable. But for me, it's it's just helping people kind of navigate these, you know, waters of uncertainty, whether they've always used cannabis and they're like me and they're looking for ways to lower that tolerance or just to reevaluate their relationship with cannabis. You know, maybe, maybe like Adrian and myself, they've been using cannabis since they were teenagers because... They had alcoholic family members and were too scared to drink alcohol. And, you know, it, they have built up that tolerance and they've always only viewed it in such a way. And it's, it's giving that space and allowing them to have the permission to view this plant for what it is. And it's, it's healing and it's fun and it brings people together. And, you know, I always bring up, you know, this is something that can help not just ourselves and our bodies. This can help our pets. And that's actually something I thought of talking about the online CBDs, like, especially for our little animals here, we don't want to be giving them things that are bad. I, I love my dogs more than most people that I know. I'm so sorry to everyone, but if you have an animal, you get it. <laughs> and I want to make sure they get the best of the best. And they do. And my dogs both take CBD oil for various reasons. And just, you know, just keeping that in mind that you know, people want options, just like people with diabetes, you know, we don't want to be told you need this insulin pump and you're going to see this doctor and you're going to take this insulin. Like it's really empowering for us to have some choices and to be able to make decisions in relation to our health, our wellness and our life and having that autonomy and seeing also just the parallels between being someone with type one diabetes and somebody that uses cannabis. Right. So like, this is really where I had the revelation because I was, you know, drilling myself. Like, what is my niche? Like, am I, I'm, I'm not really a diabetic health coach. Like, what, what am I supposed to do here? And suddenly I realized cannabis because as a type one diabetic, you are given an insulin prescription, right? So you get three vials for the month or whatever. And the doctor sends you on your way. Well, as a patient in Massachusetts, I get a certain amount of grams per month and I'm sent on my way and day to day moment to moment, I'm making the decisions on how to use that medicine. So method of delivery. Am I pumping this? Am I injecting it with an insulin pen? Am I injecting it with a syringe? Like, you know, I've been in research trials even where I've been able to wear some of like the new technology that's coming out being so close to Boston. I was on the bionic pancreas. I wore an implantable um, CGM in my arm. Like, I've explored these options and these choices and I use my platform to share about them because I'm excited that we have choices. And I'm excited that, you know, maybe some of my friends might see something that that will help support their management better. And and that can be said for people using cannabis. So, you know, if, if the tinctures aren't working for you, don't give up. You know, it's not it's not one size fits all, diabetes or cannabis. 
You know, it's funny that you mentioned the the insulin prescription and your cannabis prescription because insulin is actually a lot more dangerous than cannabis. It can literally kill you if you're, you know, not careful with how much you're dosing or if you're not eating right. So that's really that's funny that you brought those that comparison up. So I guess now that we've talked about the I guess the fears that some people have around it, what are the benefits that you guys have experienced from it? Or what are the benefits that you hear most about? We talk a lot about blood sugar, but also there's a lot of anxiety that comes with type one. And uh, I feel like CBD, that's kind of, that's basically why I started trying to take or started looking into taking CBD because I thought it would help me sleep better because I have a bit of anxiety, but also I just like, it's hard for me to get to sleep at night. And so that's why I started exploring it more. And so, you know, sleep is, you know, another very underrated thing that people don't do enough of. So what are the benefits that you, that let's start with Adrian, what are the benefits that you hear most about that are like unexpected or that people didn't really realize could happen had they not taken it? When people use it as uh, essentially a supplement uh, every day, it elevates your baseline. So the, the thrum of anxiety that is pervasive throughout most of our lives is kind of dulled, fuzzed a little bit by the level that you're brought up to with daily CBD intake because it's cumulative. It takes a little while for it to take effect in your body and for your, for your body to feel it. Same with any vitamins. That's why you take daily vitamins um, as opposed to like a shot of a vitamin because your body needs to build onto it and break it down in your body. So I think, um, I think the underlying general mood boost that people receive from it is um, helpful. I have a lot of friends who drink and when I tell them to take CBD prior and post drinking, because it's a brain protector and a, a neuroprotectant, they see positive results with that as well. And since it's a glycemic uh, regulator, it helps with the sugar that comes from an alcohol rush. After that, I mean, obviously, I always just say, why don't you just not drink? But we live in America uh, and, and the world in 2020, and that's uh, hard for a lot of people. A lot of people do, you know, beer and CBD at the same time. And if you're using a, an indica CBD plant, it's got myrcene in it, which is the same thing that's in hops, the same terpene in hops. So a lot of things play really well with each other. And I think that's probably the biggest surprise people uh, tell me about is that when they look at the terpene profile of something that they're consuming, they and they correlate it with other things in their life that they consume that have those same terpenes. Linalool is another one. People are like, yeah, I, I use a lavender uh, oil diffuser in my room every day and I'm smoking linalool which has the same relaxing effect as you know in my plant so I think that's the thing people don't realize that these terpenes and cannabinoids are present in in things other than just cannabis so you've been consuming them all along and when you when you put them all together in a cannabis plant with the cannabinoids it's uh it's truly a magical experience for your body when you when you start slow and build up and when you take tolerance breaks and Sarah, again, again, with like the benefits that you found and then other people tell you about specifically concerning type one, but then also with the diabulimia, because you said, and you're actually a huge advocate for, you know, more awareness around diabulimia, because it's still something that's very, it's not heard of a lot or heard from a lot in our community. So did your cannabis use help with that? Or is like, how would you describe that interaction? So in, in retrospect, you know, sometimes I wonder if I would have survived had I not been a cannabis user during the times when I really wasn't taking my insulin properly because the cannabis was something that was helping to use that insulin I was getting more efficiently. And, you know, before that big DKA where I was very sick at that concert, you know, I hadn't taken Humalog in probably six weeks seven weeks, not even one unit. I didn't have any left and I was too scared to ask for some. 
So I was surviving off the Lantis that I had left. And, and I, to be honest, didn't have a game plan. And so as far as, you know, cannabis being helpful for people struggling with mental health and eating disorders, I mean, apart from when you're in recovery, maybe like stimulating the appetite, it can really help with a lot of the internal struggles. So, you know, when we turn to something like alcohol, like it's a little bit of of an escapism tactic right? So we're just trying to forget and let go. And, and maybe some people approach cannabis that way. And I, and I'm not saying that, you know, there can't be a wrong way to approach it where you are just kind of escaping through cannabis. Um, however, in my experience, you know, we can do things that lift us up or we can do things that lower us down and being able to turn inward and look at all parts of myself, the positive things, you know, the negative things, the things I can control, the things I can't control, the illnesses that I have, you know, the dreams I have for the future. Like cannabis allows me to kind of sort through all of this stuff, you know, in addition to things like meditation and and other techniques that I use to help me with my mental health. But really it's allowed me to connect with my truth and with the reality of what my present moment is and what my situation might be. And you know, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Pema Chodron, she speaks a lot about groundlessness and, and just allowing ourselves to feel that kind of uncomfortable feelings. And, um, you know, cannabis allows me to sit with the uncomfortable feelings. And it is also something that I turn to um, to celebrate the good times and to, um, you know, be joyful with my friends and the people that I love. And it's, you know, cannabis and other psychedelic medicine has been something that has strengthened my relationship with my partner, you know, the person I plan on being with and the person I plan on having children with. And I can't say enough for what plant medicine has done for our relationship. So really, it's just, it's all good. Thanks, Mother Nature. <laughs> True story. I, I We do the same thing with, uh, with CBD, with my current partner and with my ex-husband. We smoked a lot of weed together and I think it... Uh, covered up a lot of the problems we were having, but also made us um, not really fight so much. But I think there, it, it's a healthy balance. I mean, when you're smoking every day to bury things, it's, I don't think that's good. I think you, you need to focus on your mental health as well. But like once I started getting into microdosing acid and psilocybin and things like that, it definitely broadened my horizons. And now just CBD at night to help me sleep and my partner as well has been such a great experience. Yeah, that's really good to hear. But I've never heard any of these positive effects of it because, again, there is a lot of misconception around cannabis use and marijuana, weed, whatever you want to call it. And it's unfortunate because it sounds like we could have been – and another parallel with type 1, it's been – they've both been around for thousands of years. Yet, you know, here in 2020, we're still not – we're still kind of in the dark as to what either of them are truly like. Do either of you have any questions about, so like Adrian, do you have any questions for us about type one or like for Sarah as a type one and a cannabis user or Sarah, do you have any questions for Adrian about where she's been with type cannabis and where it's taken her? I feel I like covered so much, but yeah, Adrian. I feel like type one, you guys have to give yourself shots. Uh, um, so we have to give ourselves insulin. So shots is one way to do it. That's another way. Um, mm-hmm. I have a pump like that, but it's uh, tubeless, so it's actually wireless, and it's like all concealed. It's kind of it's a little thing that I throw away every three days. But yeah, so insulin is what we need to give ourselves because we don't make it anymore. Our body killed off the parts of ourselves that make that. Right, and then locally, where the injection site is, do you find that it's, you're susceptible to infection uh, and localized pain? I um I struggled actually, so I used to use the 
the Omnipod, which is the disposable insulin patch pump. And I struggled with the adhesive um, causing irritation. And then also the sites where the tube, um, the plastic tube would go into my body would get inflamed. And I'm a big fan of CBD around that area. Anything topically on the skin to help with that. But yeah, it can get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've never, I've, I've been using the Omnipod, like um, Sarah was saying for almost 11 years now. And I've never had that, but I think I just have like maybe tougher than average skin. Like I find that the, a lot of the adhesives that people use or like companies use now are, are weaker, I think, because of the, a lot of the inflammation and like irritation that some people get with, with adhesives like that. And I find that like mine kind of like fall off a lot more than they used to. Um, but I've never had that personal experience um, sometimes every now and again, but skin issues are a thing because scarring is you know, something that really can interfere with your insulin absorption. And when you ha- when you have uh, basically a needle in you for three days at a time, those issues can are a lot more prevalent. But I've never gotten sick or had anything get infected. That's my case. But there are definitely other people that have gone to the hospital because they've gotten like they've gotten severe infections from their their pods or their pumps. So that's something that is definitely, you know, on the top of some people's minds. And it's that doesn't it's not even really associated with their diabetes it's just like the way that they treat their and manage their diabetes is also hurting them in different ways okay okay good to know sarah do you have any questions for adrian uh no i think um you know it's awesome to meet someone that's so knowledgeable and and obviously so willing to help you know our our population of people with diabetes it's it's always great to see someone who uh who cares mm-hmm. thank you there's a lot of us yeah, and that's really cool too. The, the the CBD or cannabis community and the type one community can really, I think, learn a lot from each other, but also help each other out. So that's really cool to have both of you here together. Any final thoughts? Anything that anything, Adrian, that you would like the type one community to know, or just people in general, because this is a, a show for both type ones and type nuns, for people to know about cannabis that you feel like you wish pe- more people did know. Remember that it comes from the earth and is thousands of years old, and your body was built with literally CB1 and CB2 cannabinoid receptors to absorb this into your body. So there's nothing uh, unnatural about consuming cannabis. Tara, what would you like the type 1s and type nuns of the world to know about type 1 and cannabis? I think in so many ways, we're all looking um, to feel a little bit more balanced and you know, it's something we can't hold on to balance forever, but we can work towards it and, um, you know, consistently and, and each and every day, each and every moment. And whether it's your blood sugars or your endocannabinoid system, um, you know, both both need balance. So let's do what we can to achieve that and let's help each other out and, and share resources and information and um, and be strong advocates for both things. I'm in. I'm on board. All right. Thank you both so much for joining me. This was really great. I learned. I actually learned so much and i'm gonna i'm gonna be more knowledgeable when i go back to the cbd boutique that i go to heck yeah all right thank you guys bye thanks bye Bye. and that's the episode what'd y'all think i hope everybody was able to learn as much as i did my conversation with sarah and adrian really made me think about all the misconceptions about cannabis that i had held on to for so long and how it got to the point where i actively resisted even thinking about trying it medicinally or otherwise I grew up in the days when cannabis was not viewed as favorably as it is now, and it was pretty much illegal everywhere. But aside from that, I just didn't want people thinking less of me for using it, which is exactly how I felt about my Type 1 for years. I didn't want anyone to know about it because I didn't want people judging me because of it. For me, it ultimately came down to ignorance. 
I was ignorant about both my type 1 and cannabis, so I closed myself off to learning about either of them. Now I can confidently say that I was wrong to avoid my type 1 for so long, and as far as cannabis is concerned, well, I'm interested in exploring what it might be able to do for me. So if you're interested in learning more about cannabis and possibly introducing it into your type 1 management, reach out to my amazing guests, Sarah and Adrian. Since I forgot to ask them for their info during the episode, here they are again with how you can get in touch with them. So you can find me on Instagram. I am the Plutonian Pancreas. So at Plutonian Pancreas, I talk a lot about astrology. I talk a lot about the tarot, diabetes, cannabis, all that good stuff. I am also prepping to launch a podcast. So that's uh, Gemstoned. So it's at Gemstoned, G-E-M-S-T-O-N-E-D dot podcast. And that's really a cannabis-infused kind of lifestyle podcast. If you're looking for more information on integrated cannabis coaching and how cannabis can benefit your health and wellness routine, you can visit me at www.holdfasthealing.com. So if you live in Los Angeles or are visiting Los Angeles and want to come by the best dispensary in the world, come on down to The Higher Path. We're in Sherman Oaks. You can go to thehigherpath.com to see all of the details about where we are and how to call us and how to schedule a consultation. There's a lot of blogs on there that are very educational. So take a look and see what you uh, might have questions about. You can always slide in my DMs directly at Cradrian, C-R-A-Y-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. I'm always happy to answer questions. Good luck, you guys. But again, always consult with a medical professional first before making any changes to your health and or type 1 management routine. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Bye.